time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Me, my selfie, and I. Hey, we're spending three weeks where we're talking about you, us. We talk a lot about all sorts of different things. But tonight, last week, and next week, we're just going to talk about us. And so last week, we, those of you who weren't here, just to catch you up to speed, we started off in the book of beginnings, Genesis chapter 4, where we had the first two brothers, uh, Cain and Abel, and how Cain killed Abel, and how Cain was struggling, and he was in the cave of comparison, and how God still pursued Cain, and, and we talked about these ideas that, that, that God loved Cain, God had a plan for Cain's life, but, but Cain was too busy looking at his brother and comparing himself to where he couldn't even hear accurately what God had to say to him and so while it was God's plan in God's heart for for Cain to rule over sin as he told him Cain succumbed to sin and he killed his brother and he was judged because of that but even after that God extended grace to him we talked about the idea of believing truth over believing facts truth is more important and the truth is what God's word has to say about us. Hey, tonight I want to go straight to the word of God in Jeremiah chapter 1. In this week 2 of me, myself, and I talk to you a little bit about some things. What, what I saw even just in study this week, how God interacted with Jeremiah. I think there's much to be said with how God wants to interact with us tonight. So I'm going to start off Jeremiah chapter 1. And I'll start at verse 4. It'll be on the screens for you if you don't have your Bibles. Reading out of the New Living Translation. So here we go. The Lord gave me this message. This is Jeremiah talking, the great prophet of Israel. He says, I knew you. So the Lord gave me this message. This is what God says to Jeremiah. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, says Jeremiah, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. Verse 7, the Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you, and don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Verse 9 says, then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, look, I've put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. Verse 11 says, Then the Lord said to me, Look, Jeremiah, what do you see? Everybody say, what do you see? And I replied, I see a branch from an almond tree. And the Lord said, that's right. And it means that I am watching. And I will certainly carry out all of my plans. Verse 13 says, Then the Lord spoke to me again and asked, what do you see now? Everybody say, what do you see now? Bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this series that you are speaking to us about identity and who we are in you and the plans that you have for our lives. I pray that you would speak to us tonight through the power of your word. Holy Spirit, come and talk to these, your people, whom you love so dearly. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said... Amen. Amen. All right, so um, 
have you guys ever thought about your earliest, um, your earliest memory that you can like ever remember? Right. Like try to go back, like right now, like just try to go back as far, like as far back as you can. Okay, on the count of three, just shout out your earliest memory. I was doing this. Here we go. One, two, three. I was in preschool. Isn't that great? Now just share that memory with the person next to you. Just say, hey, this is what I remember. I was in the womb floating around in water. Or, uh, or I, come on, just tell them. This is my earliest. So see if you can go back a little bit farther. Like, it's a little bit further back. I've tried to do this countless times. Like, how far back can my brain go? It's kind of cool, isn't it? Oh, so many memories. They're so great. Or bad. Put it on. (laughs) My earliest memory is um, sitting in the back seat of the car with no... um, uh, with no car seat because they weren't required then. <laughs> so this is in the 80s. And, uh, and I had an imaginary, uh, this, this imaginary friend that I used to talk to. <laughs> he was uh, actually a monkey, and I forget his name, but he was like my imaginary friend. And so he used to ride in the back seat of the car with me. I know, bizarre, right? So, and then I think, I think that's as far back as I can go. So probably... Now I can remember preschool. Like I remember this. I remember eating goldfish. I remember watching Disney movies uh, in in preschool. And so that I'm trying to go back to like three, but I think that's it. I remember watching my cousin eat um, hair out of hairbrushes because that's what he did at like three years old. I know, weird, right? He's yeah. He would yeah. Okay, so that's as far back as I go. So so look, y'all. So I, I always talk about this, like, what's the farthest back I can go? And I honestly try. Like, I'm like, oh, man, like, do I remember being, like, in the womb? <laughs> what did, oh, wait, your eyes are closed. No, they're open. In our ultrasound, it's, aren't the eyes open? I don't know. Anybody? Wait, nobody? Any nurses? Where's, come, okay, great. So I was like, ooh, can I? Like, do I remember? But then it's dark inside of there, right? So, so then I tried to remember, like, oh, like, what, was, what did my umbilical cord look <laughs> What did the food taste like coming into my umbilical cord? <laughs> so, y'all, no, I'm serious. Like, just trying to go, like, back. And so, but, but look. So, but I do remember, I do remember as a child, like, obviously not whenever I was in the <laughs> So, more like five, six, and seven. I remember childhood dreams and ambitions that I used to have. So, okay, here we go one more time. To, like, whenever you were young, like, what was the, like, really, really small, what was, like, your, your grown-up dream? Like, when I grow up, I'm going to be or I'm going to do this. Okay, ready, set, go. Tell the person next to you. Come on, tell them. Tell them, even if it's weird. This is a judgment-free zone. There is no judgment here. Come on, everybody, no matter what your age. Surely you had childhood dreams. Okay. (laughs) 
Okay, so, so, all right, okay, I'm going to tell you mine. Okay, mine was, and it's not bizarre, it's not as bizarre as the umbilical cord thing. Um, mine was to grow up and to be a lawyer or a judge, because I had an uncle who was like a very prominent judge in Texas, and so I just knew that I was going to grow up and be like a judge. So that may not be as glorious as some of yours, but, but I'm just trying to say, as a child, Probably lots of us had different dreams, like different ambitions. And then there comes a point in, or there came a point in my life, as there does in many of our lives, where there's a divine interruption, where God begins to say, here are your dreams, but, but let me tell you about an even better dream, the dream that I have for you. And Jeremiah, Jeremiah in chapter 1, whenever he's writing and he's talking, the word of the Lord came to me. Jeremiah was actually around 20 years old whenever this happened, and the nation of Israel was in major turmoil, and this kid named Josiah was the king. He actually took the throne at the tender tender age of six. He was about 13 years into his reign, and and the call of Jeremiah happens in his life. And so so verse 5 tells us, verse 5, it says, the word of the Lord came to me, but verse 5 says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. And sometimes we just kind of gloss over scripture like, oh, how cute. God knew him before he was even in his, mother womb, but, but in his mother's womb. But let's think about this for the second because we have the God of the ages having an intelligent conversation with Jeremiah saying, before your DNA strands were even knit together by my hands, before you came, became human, I knew you. See, we can't ever allow God's promises or the way in which God relates to us to become old or just kind of treated as like common. See, the fact that Yahweh, the self-sufficient, uncreated God, converses with this young man and tells him the length of time he has been acquainted with him is huge. It is massive. And so, so, so that, that, that God knows Jeremiah is significant. Because the Hebrew word here for know, it's so interesting because it means to know, to take notice of, or to hear of. And I want to focus on that second definition there. It's that God was coming to Jeremiah at the age of 20 saying, Jeremiah, I don't just know you. I have taken notice of you. In other words, he was kind of like Jeremiah. He was just like God coming down into the crowd and just saying, hey, 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 I see you. I, I see you. And, I, and it's not like, oh, I see you because you're like scurrying around like, you know, like little squirrels across the face of the planet. But I, I know and I see, I notice you right where you are. And for that matter, I have always noticed you. Jeremiah. Come on, that's a big deal for the God of the universe to say, I noticed you. I recognize you. And so that's the, that's the place, that's the spirit in which Jeremiah is, it, or God is conversing with, with Jeremiah. And I, and I just need you to know that God knows you. He always has, and he always will. And he doesn't just know you, he has taken notice of you. And if you didn't know it before, you need to leave this place knowing that God has taken notice of you.
And so some of us, that's a scary thought. Oh, God. I haven't been, I mean, I almost rather you not notice me because of all the stuff that I've been doing. But, but here's the deal. He says, I've, noticed, I've, always, I've always known you. And I always will. I always will know you. See, tonight he just wants you to know he's taken notice of you. Since before he formed you. In your mother's womb, he knows every single detail of your life and he notices you tonight he sees you who once believed you could be what you wanted when you grew up but life read you a different story and now you think you're not enough he sees you and he knows you with your big heart and your bright eyes you rolled out of your bed you were brimming with dreams to change the world but the world changed you instead He knows you, and he loves you. You think your legs are too short and your nose is too long, and you'd give anything or anyone just to feel like you belong. He loves you. He's with you. You, who never let them see you cry, no, because it's just me, myself, and I against the world, because you're just a girl, and they'd never get you. He's with you. And he chose you, rejected by the ones who should have loved you most of all. Now you've surrounded yourself with counterfeit truth to have something to break your fall. He chose you. What I'm here to beg of you today is not to auction your identity away in your desperation for the validation that you'll pursue at any cost. Because friend, what you're looking for, it's Jesus. And he's not just for the lost. There was a time when I was younger and so desperate to fill my hunger for love. Like a junkie, I forfeited many things. But in the middle of that mess, he said he didn't love me any less. That I was still made for something, not in anything. I remember I sat there that day, empty-handed and blown away while my stomach was chanting of my incompetence. I had nothing to bring, and yet the king of all kings was giving me his vote of confidence. To this day, my knees can't fight his whisper in my ear that I woke up this morning simply because he wanted me. That he knew what he was getting into when he called me by name. The simple thought that he calls me by name. And every time I think I've let him down, he astounds me, assuring me I was never holding him up in the first place. He's displaced every ounce of my disgrace, and now I'm free to trace this liberation back to his face. So for those of you that have been shaken by your past miscalculations, let me give you a small bit of advice. The mistakes we make would never take the cake in a match with the blood of Jesus Christ. See, every scar that once marred me now perpetually bombards me with the ludicrous revolution of the grace he died to show me. Because those scars are there to tell the tale of where I've been. They're not the tale of where I'm going. So with my mind now infused and my soul so amused by the truth that his love for me is endlessly flowing, I walk confidently, I keep my head held high, my joy is complete, forever knowing that ever before me and ever inside me, ever he's by my side, ever he's warring, ever enduring, hell bent on bringing me life. See, ever he 
in the depths of my soul. So to the ultimate recycler who paid the highest piper and made trash and beauty collide, who makes a way of no way, a fool of my shame and to death its victory denied, the old me you've laid and the new me you've raised, this truth I'll proclaim in every tongue and every nation that if any man be in Christ, he is indeed 100% a new creation.
notices you tonight. So for those who have been overlooked, consider that divine interruption tonight. Your moment with Jesus specifically for you saying, I see you, I know you, I notice you. Amen. Amen. So God not only knows you tonight. Thank you so much, Mr. Nico Perez. So God not only knows you, he not only notices you, can bring the lights back up here, he not only notices you and knows you, but he says, before you were even born, Jeremiah, I set you apart and I appointed you. So basically God, the uncreated God of the ages, was saying to Jeremiah, you are different and I need you to know this because you're not always going to fit in. You're not always going to meet everyone around you's expectations of you. Why? Because before you were even formed and while you were in your mother's womb, I consecrated you or I set you apart. I have called you to be different. Somebody say different in this place tonight. So the God who stands and functions and exists outside of time. i got to have you understand this tonight. God is before time, according to Psalm 90 and 2, from everlasting to everlasting. And God is not only before time, but God is above time, according to Isaiah 57, 15. He sits above time, but not only that, God is actually ahead of time. Romans 15, 13, all at the same time. You see, you've got to understand that God was before, God created time and uses time to accomplish his purposes, but our God exists and he sits outside of time. Are you following me tonight? This is our God, the perplexity of our mind. We will exhaust all of our intellect trying to figure out who this God is. And he has been revealing himself from Genesis all the way to now saying, hey, it's me. I function and exist outside of time, but I reach my hand into time in order to interact with you. This is the God who sees the drama of our life. He's, he knows how it's going to end from the very beginning. He sits outside. He's got a mega picture, but that does not preclude him from getting into our space, into our world and saying, I am walking with you even through the valley. And you, even you, even you, I have called you and I have set you apart and your purpose, part of your purpose is to be different. This is who I am and this is my invitation to you. That's all right, you can clap. This is my, this is his, this is his invitation to us tonight collectively but more importantly, individually. It is this God who says, not only do I see you, because it would be one thing for God to kind of notice you and see you, but it's a whole nother thing to say, I've seen all your bad, I've seen all your ugly, I've seen all your tragedies, all your mistakes, I've seen your good moments, I've seen your bad, and look, listen, I have a plan 
for your life. Something that I have dreamed up from before you were in your mother's womb. I have a dream for and over your life. I have a mission. I have an assignment. I have a purpose for you to fulfill. See, to Jeremiah, it was to be a prophet to the nations. For you, it may not be a prophet to the nations, or it may be, but it could be a doctor to the nations. It could be a spokesperson or a communicator. It could be a teacher. It could be a lawyer. It could be a social worker. Whatever these things are, it could be having influence in the athletic realm. Whatever it is, you've got to know. You've got to leave this place tonight knowing, number one, that God sees you. He notices you. But number two, God's got a special plan, a work, and an assignment that he is expecting for you to fulfill during your short amount of time here on planet Earth that we call life. He says, I've got something great for you to accomplish. And until you know it, you'll just kind of drift through life ignorantly, wasting time and wasting energy on things that hell has planned for you. But he says, no more. In week two, this series, me, myself, and I, last week, found out God's for you. God loves you. This week, you've got to know God notices you, but God has a plan, a special assignment, a purpose for you to accomplish while here on planet Earth. Scripture calls it destiny. God's got a destiny for you. He's got something that you are supposed to do here on earth, and you'll never discover it unless you first yield to him and say, Lord, what is it that you have for me? You guys understand this tonight? See, you were born to do something that the world cannot ignore. Did you hear that? You were born to do something that the world and your generation cannot ignore. This is not self-help. This is not positive statements. This is the word of God. You've got to know that you didn't just slip into the earth realm. You didn't just accidentally arrive here. You are a prophetic word that originated in the heart of God. And until you realize that, your life will be dry, boring, and empty because you're living for yourself. To live for the glory of God means I have discovered that I have a purpose. There is something that God placed me on this planet to do. And I won't stop until I figure out, God, what is it that you have me here for? It's not to just be cute or be funny or just have a bunch of friends. There's something that God's called you to do. You're more than your personality. You're more than your looks. You're more than what you wear or what you say. There is a destiny of God that he wants to write. Through you, there is a story of God that the Holy Spirit wants to write through your life. But until you surrender to him, you'll write stupid stories and fables that nobody cares about. There's a novel that's wants, that God wants to touch the world and touch your generation through you. Does anybody believe that tonight? Well, you've got to believe it. Don't play with me. Do you believe it tonight? See, until you believe it, it's worthless. Until you honestly get it inside of your heart. You're more than just a junior high student. You're more than just a football player. You're more than just a smart scholastic genius. 
You're, 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 more than just, you're, you're more than just a cute face. You're, 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 you're more than just nice pictures and selfies all over your Instagram. You're, you're more than this. You're more. You were intended for more. You were created for more. See, there's something that God has created you to do that nobody else on the face of the planet can do. Do you believe that? Hasn't it been too long since somebody told you that? Didn't your parents tell you that? Didn't, didn't somebody, has somebody in your life ever told you that before? I was blessed to be, to, be, to be raised in a home where I had parents who told me, you're created for a purpose. And so from early on, I'm like, God, what is my purpose? What are the plans that you have for me, God? What is it? And it doesn't just happen overnight. Well, I prayed yesterday, and now I know. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Well, that's cute. That's not the norm. That may happen to you. But this is a journey of saying, Lord, I'm going to stay here in this place until you tell me, what have you created me to do? And I'm going I'm I'm to step out in faith, and I'm going to do different things, and, and I'm going to try things, and I'm going to serve. And God, I, I just got to know, God, what did you put me on this planet to do to glorify you? See, what's interesting is Jeremiah's response in verse 6 is many times the same as our response. Let's look at this. Je- verse 6, what does Jeremiah say? Verse 6, let's jump down. O sovereign Lord, after God says, I've, I've called you to be my prophet to the nations, Jeremiah. L- listen, to what, listen to what Jeremiah says. O sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. Or one translation says, for I am only, I'm only a youth. I'm only a child. I am only, I just want to ask you tonight, what's your only? You keep telling God. God, I'm only 14. God, I am only, I mean, I've only been coming to church for like two weeks. God, I've only even prayed to you or talked to you three times in my whole life. God, I'm only the son or the daughter of a tragic divorced family. I am only, what's the only that comes to your heart whenever you hear statements and truths like God wants to use you. God's got a purpose for you. God has a special assignment that he wants you to. God, I'm only three feet tall. God, I'm only, I, I can only read, you know, at a sixth grade level. And I'm like, an, uh, I, God, I only have made C's my whole life. Surely I'm not, I'm not smart enough. I'm too, what's your only that you keep getting hung up on? What's your only? Because I believe that God's calling you to lay down your only tonight so that you can realize that all you need, really, only, your only should be him. God, it's only you, Jesus. You're the only person that can help me accomplish that which you've called me to do. You're the only one that I need, Jesus. So you got to get rid of your only tonight. See, God replies to him whenever he says, God, I'm only a youth. I'm only. God replies and says, don't talk that way. I'm only. Speak truth over yourself, Jeremiah. And to us, God says the same. But if you don't know truth, how can you speak truth over you? You've got to know what God's word says about you. 
I said this last week, I want to say it like just beating a dead horse, just, drum, just beating this drum. You've got to know what God says about you. Otherwise, you'll believe every counterfeit and lie from the enemy. Every, any lie that hell can make up about you, you'll believe unless you have truth in your heart, unless you are rooted in God's word for over your life. Do you understand that? You'll believe that, 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 that you're just stupid. You're just an idiot. And you're, you'll believe that you're not good enough. You be, you'll believe that you can't be forgiven. You'll believe that, you'll believe that, that you're going to struggle in, in, in sexual immorality for the rest of your life. You'll believe that, 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 you, that you can't live holy. You'll believe that you, that you can't live an honorable life before Jesus. You'll believe that you can't be different from anybody else in your generation. You'll believe the lie until truth is firmly grounded and implanted in your heart. Does that make sense to you? What's your only tonight? I'm going to encourage you to get rid of it. Get rid of your only. Verse 9 says this, Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, Lord, or look, I have put my words in your mouth. I have put my words in your mouth mouth verse 5 and or verse 9 look I've put my words in your mouth see this is so important because back in verse 5 is whenever God issues his calling to Jeremiah don't miss this he issues his calling in verse 5 but in verse 9 he commissions him now here's the deal any t- many of us we like to kind of just skip there is it okay if I just teach tonight a little bit so we like to skip over the many God well God has called me to go to a thousand different nations okay that's great but you've got to understand there is a process God calls you he issues the invitation to you and then there becomes a process where God commissions you he sends you out does that make sense to you God called the disciples whenever he said follow me he commissioned the disciples whenever he said go you into all the world and teach nations and disciple nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. There's a calling first, and then there's a commissioning. But then you, you have to understand, until you say yes to God's calling, you will not be sent out with his grace and his strength to do what he's called you to do. Does this make sense to anybody? You've got to first believe, you know what, Lord? I'm called. And it has to be settled in your heart. And when the enemy whispers in your ear and says, yeah, you're not, yeah, whatever. Like, yeah, I called you. Yeah. No, no, no. You have to know. I've been called by heaven. Heaven has a plan and an assignment for me. God himself has a plan and a purpose and an assignment for my life. And I am saying yes, Jesus, to whatever it is you're calling me to do. I can't fill in all the blanks. You may not have all the puzzle pieces, but you got piece one. You got to start somewhere, baby. You got to start. It's, okay, what, step one. I've got a puzzle piece. I've got one. I don't know what the whole picture looks like. I don't know, I don't, I don't know everything. But I know this. This one thing. I know God loves me. God's for me. But then God not only notices me. God, you don't only see me, but you have a calling, an assignment, a purpose, a destiny on my life. See, whenever you begin to live this way, 
You won't live in depression. You won't live in oppression because you realize I was created for more. So I'm not just going to throw my life away. You won't live in sexual immorality because you'll know that my body was created for a higher purpose than just messing around or just giving it away to everybody because I have purpose in my life. There's something that God has called you to do that the world must take notice of. Do you believe that tonight? <laughs> you got to believe it. And lastly, this the way this conversation ends with God and Jeremiah. God poses a question to Jeremiah. And I told you before, just like last week, whenever God posed the question to Cain, where's your brother? <laughs> It's not because God was ignorant and he just kind of lost his, uh, his omniscience for a few minutes. He kind of blacked out and didn't have it. It's because there's something that he was wanting to reveal to Cain. And right here, again, we see the next question that God asks Jeremiah. Verse 11. What do you see? What do you see? I believe he intentionally starts asking him about his vision because God knows in heaven, and this is a universal truth, you guys, whatever has your eye will have your heart. Whatever has your eye will have your heart. So just like God asked Jeremiah in this text, he's just asking you tonight, Hey, what do you see? What do you see yourself doing for God? Even over the next six weeks, over the next six months, what can you see yourself accomplishing for Jesus Christ and not for yourself? What is it that you see? For Jeremiah, he saw, very clearly saw this almond tree, and it was this prophetic picture that the Lord was giving him. Say, this is what I'm going to do in your life. See, the man who has not found something worth dying for is not fit to live. Dr. Martin Luther King said that. If you haven't found something worth dying for, I believe you're not fit to live. You haven't truly lived. And so I'm just asking you, what, what, what do you see? See, three simple things I want to leave you with tonight as the worship team makes their way up here. Number one, I need you to accept the call. Accept this reality that God has a calling on your life. Not because I'm telling you, but because God's word is telling you. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you. I know them. I know you and I know my plans. And I can see where you're going to end up 30 years from now. Again, because God functions and exists outside of time. So number one, I need you to accept the call. Number two, I need you to eliminate your only. Again, what's your only? God, I'm only, you fill in the blank. You've got to eliminate it, you guys. You've got to get it out of your heart. You've got to get it out of your mind and say, Lord, you are my only. Let him be your only. You plus him, if God before you, 
who can be against you? David said, God, whom have I in heaven but you? The disciples said to Jesus, hey, hey, are you going to... Jesus posed this question to a few of his disciples. He says, hey, it was a crucial moment in Jesus' ministry where his church actually shrunk. Like, I mean, like by the droves, like hundreds just left Jesus. And then he looks at his 12 disciples and he says, what about you? Are you going to leave me too? And one of the disciples just responds and says, God, God, where... Where are we going to go? You have the words of life. Where else can I, where, where else would I, would I go? It's because they had accepted the call and they had eliminated their only, I'm only a dumb fisherman. I'm, I'm only, a, 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 I'm, I'm only, I'm only, I'm only. They got to the place where they said, God, you are my, Jesus, you have become my only. Where else am I going to go? There's nothing else for me. This world doesn't have anything for me. Eliminate your only. And then finally, number three, I need you to ask God to open up your spiritual eyes. So you can't see what God has for you until you, number one, accept the call. Number two, eliminate your only, your butts, your, 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 your doubts, your, 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 all the things that are holding. And then, and then say, God, give me clear vision tonight. He knows you. He sees you. He notices you. And he's got a call, an assignment for your life. He's got fresh vision for you tonight. I want us to, as I was just praying and and just even prepping for tonight, I felt like the Lord would say there have been several who have been foolish enough to believe that they can run from me. But the harder they run away from me, Brandon, I need you to tell them that's the harder I run after them. And because I'm omnipresent, they can continue to run, but they'll just keep running right back into me. And so run, 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 runner, and exhaust yourself out. Run until you are tired of running and you fall over in exhaustion, and there he will be to pick you up, to dust you off, and say, we're going to do this again. Really? Okay, here we go. See, this is who God is tonight. He notices you. But he didn't just stop there. To just give them opportunity to run to me. Just stop the games. Stop running around in circles. Stop chasing other things. Stop settling for lesser loves. And come and be satisfied with my love. Because I'm the only one that can feel. See, it all starts there. God's got great things for you to do, but you'll never accomplish those great things until you surrender your heart to Jesus Christ. So where are you runners? I want you to bow your heads tonight in a cool way. I'm going to give you an opportunity to run to Jesus tonight. To run towards him tonight. If you're here and you say, gosh, I, I have been, gosh, that is so me. Maybe it's your first time or maybe you've been going to church your entire life. Every hip out, every eye closed, but you say, I've been, I've been running away from him and, and I'm ready to run towards him tonight because I actually believe and he's got good things for my life. And he's not out to, to destroy me. No, he's out to give me a destiny. 
He's out to reveal destiny tonight. Hey, that's you. I want you to stand to your feet very boldly tonight. And this is your way of saying, I'm running. I, I want to run towards Jesus. To, I, I got I to gotta run towards him. I, I have to, I'm going to run. I, I want to run. I'm tired of running away from him. I want to run towards him finally. I need to run towards him. With your hands uplifted. I just want you to pray. Just repeat this prayer after me. Just say, Jesus. I'm running after you. Come on, Jesus. I refuse to run away from you any longer. I refuse. Come on, out loud. I refuse to settle for less than. I've done that long enough. I am ready to run towards you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. And I thank you for accepting me tonight. Come on, you are my Father. You are my Savior. You are my Lord. I surrender to you. I'm ready to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Come on, in Jesus' name. Come on, in Jesus' name. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. They've got a vision and a mission for their life.